Welcome to It's All Fine and Dangy, where we talk about community, health, culture, and all of the big and little things that make life good. Here are your hosts, Dan and Angie. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 87 of the It's All Fine and Dangy podcast. Today we have an especially exciting podcast because our guest is a local author. Because That I'm always a, gets you excited. I know it does. I, well, you know what? I get excited for all of our I guests, but because I'm also a local author, having a fellow local author on is very exciting for me. I know I say this every time too. I can't believe episode 87. I know. It's getting up there. We're nearing that hundred, that special episode. You know, one day I'm going to look back when we're at like episode 500 and say, how silly was it for me to be so excited that we're <laughs> on episode 87? Hey, Got to keep it going. That's right. But anyway, without further ado, let's bring Scott in. So Scott Stevens is a local author. That's who we're interviewing today. Don't ask me how I didn't say Scott's last name, the intro here of the interview. I've known Scott for some time. In any case, Scott Stevens, let's jump back in. Scott is a local author of multiple books, including some nonfiction and some fiction titles. Mm. He's going to tell us all about that. And here he is. Let's bring him in. Hi, Scott. How are you today? Hi, how's it going? Hello, hello. Dan's in charge of bringing you in because he's in charge of all the technical stuff. So Yes, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. So how are you today on this lovely Sunday when we are recording? Very good, very good. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. This is very cool. I'm always happy to talk to you and uh, also, you know, to to talk to a fellow author. Uh, before we get into talking about your books and stuff, which we're excited to talk about, we like to do this with all of our guests. I'd kind of like to know a little bit about you in general, like your personal life, maybe where you grew up, your family, some stuff that you want to share. Uh, well, uh, I grew up in New York, New York City. Oh, very nice. And, like uh, in the city? Yeah. In Queens. Oh and, wow! Um, actually, my latest thriller is based there, and it was a lot of fun because I got to relive a lot of those places. Oh yeah, I bet it's geographically it, correct too. That's always a challenge. Yeah, pretty much. It's not like a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I grew up there. Um, I've been in Florida for um, I don't know, over thirty years at this point. I can't even keep track anymore. Oh, you're a local now, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, been down here uh, for a long time. Um, love it here. The, um, things going on in the news recently make it a little embarrassing from time to time. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, what? Florida's known for that, aren't we? <laughs> As our friend, uh, Carlos Navarro said, I love that about Florida. I love that. It's always Florida man or some crazy thing, you know, you just got to embrace it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's hey, funny. maybe it makes people not want to move here, and we have more room. That's <laughs> maybe, <laughs> <laughs> or they want to come and check out the the, the spectacles that yeah. are going on. I don't know. Very <laughs> true. I like the bumper sticker I see once in a while. It says "Welcome to Florida." And now turn around and go home. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. So, what brought you here, though? What made you move? Because that's a bit of a culture change. Um. I. I. Yeah. <laughs> I, my first trip down was um i was going to um university of miami uh as a freshman um i didn't stay all that long uh i got hurt and then i was i was playing baseball at the time but uh, i was I gonna ask you actually yeah i didn't even actually make the first team i got hurt before oh, we actually man. took the field so it, it kind of it happened but it really didn't you know it, it was oh no the timing was bad yeah and um so i, I went back up north and um, I went to school. I got a degree in uh, broadcasting, 
and I, I started a radio uh, sportscasting career I did for a long time. Oh, and, that's very oh. cool. I'm surprised you don't do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, I could, but <laughs> I don't I See, you guys love that. I, I, I don't. <laughs> you got burned on it. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, I, I came back down to Florida for a job. And um, I pretty much never left. I, I left, uh, you know, a couple times. I'd go to stations around the country, but I always came back to Florida. And then, gotcha. I, the last time I came back, I don't even remember where it was. I just, I've never left. So, you just stayed like so many people do. They come down on vacation, and then it's like they live here. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, <laughs> right. I transferred. Um, I, I kind of transferred over from uh, the broadcasting to writing. I was writing while I was doing the broadcasting, and then once I went exclusively to writing. I could do that from home and I didn't have to travel and, and go. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. okay. So, so is that when you discovered that love of writing or was it earlier when you were younger? Like, I'm, I'm just always curious when it kind of came to you that, Oh, I want to be a writer or, Oh, I think I'd be really good at this. You know, it was, it was strictly a money thing. And, and, a, oh, okay. and because when, when I was broadcasting, um, I, I always, one of the first things I did when I went to a new station in a new city was I got it. I hooked up with the local newspaper because their sports sections always covered the games that I was broadcasting. So I figured really early on in my career, if I'm already at the game, why shouldn't I write an article at, and get paid again after I get paid for broadcasting the game? And oh, smart. Yeah. So it, it worked out really well and, and um, it was, it was a lot of fun and, so I, I started to do that mainly because I could get paid twice. And uh -huh. the, more, <laughs> the more I did it, the better I became. And, um, you know, then eventually when I just started writing, just writing only, I was doing a lot of work for online sports magazines and different things like that. Oh, wow. that's cool. So, so that's a different type of writing because yeah. it's, you know, it's factual. It's a lot of stats and stuff like that, that you're, you know, putting into that writing. Yeah. So I'm curious when you kind of transitioned to that fiction, more fiction, or, you know, had the, the concept of Me writing too. a fiction book. Because that's a big difference. I yeah. mean, I, I've been in IT for 30 years and I've written technical stuff my whole life, but I write fiction too. And that's a huge difference. What made you switch? Um, the switch was kind of an evolution. Um, yeah. The, um, I was getting paid for the sports writing and not getting paid for the first book, which I did was, was on ice. Um, that was three years in the making. Cause you know, I wasn't really an author at that point. Yeah. Um, I had just, I had written down kind of a basic outline of an idea that I had. And I was talking to an editor for uh, one of the online sports magazines I was working for and told him the idea that he, that I had. And he goes, Oh my God, that's great. You should turn it into a novel. And I said, yeah. How? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I the first can question. so relate mm -hmm. to that. And, yeah. and he didn't know. So he was no help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, and it was he just encouraged you. He gave yes. you the little, you know, go and do it. <laughs> he did, and, and he would, um, once a week, he would ask me every week, you know, did you work on it at all? Did you work on it at mm. all? So it was, it was kind of funny because he didn't know. And um, I, I finally um, started putting the story together. And I, it was just a story I had in my mind. Um, yeah. I like, I like fiction. Um, I, I love movies and um, I'm a big movie buff. But one of the things that bugs me is when I see something and right away I say that could not happen. You yeah. Know, that's, it has to be a plausible story. And, and uh. so 
I kept that in mind as I was writing on ice the first time. And the first draft wasn't very good. I had yeah. all kinds of scenarios that were way outlandish. And, you know, I should have myself looked at it and said, no, that can't, that can't work. Well, you know what? Uh, it's That's one of my favorite Stephen King's uh, quotes where he says, and I, it's a curse word, so I'll clean it up here. But he says, every first draft is crap. And he's talking about his own stuff, too. I think as a writer, that is so true. We hate to hear it. But, you know, the art has to be refined to be mm-hmm. the, the final product that we want. But back to something for a minute, because you said you're a big movie fan. I was going to ask you where you get your inspiration for your stories. Is it often driven by a movie that you see that maybe doesn't go the way you thought or isn't plausible? Does that give you your ideas or what, what is your inspiration for your stories? You know, I get a lot of ideas from watching movies of ways that I think they could have gone and should have gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not yet turned one of those ideas into a book yet though. I have a folder on my computer filled with ideas of things that I can do, but I've not. Yes. The books that I have released have all been, uh, every one of them really have been um, something that I've witnessed in person. And mm. oh wow, the um, like Twister Town, the the town set that that set in Twister Town actually visited that town. I gave it a fictional name in the book, but the town really exists, and the people in that town really believe a tornado cannot hit them. And I, I was there, and and oh, I experienced wow. it, and it was it was crazy to me. It's still crazy to me to think about. Um, but that's where I got that idea. Um, wow. On the run, the idea came from um, watching people at an art festival uh, coming in and out of the tents and, and coming up with ideas. So mostly, yeah, they're, they're just um, things I see hmm. and uh, I'll, I'll jot it down. And then what will happen, what's really cool, and it happened with Twister Town, is that I, I'll have a basic idea of a story and yeah. then I'll have a dream. And the dream fills the rest of the notes and I can't really. Oh, wow. But Twister That's Town, a true was, creative right there. It really true is. Creative. <laughs> I, I also, Twister Town is such a good example because I had the that town that I visited, and I never forgot that experience. Yeah. Tornado sirens are going off. I'm running for the bathtub trying to find a mattress, and people are not paying attention to it. It was the craziest thing I'd, I'd ever seen. That oh happened in real life? Yeah, that's what he's yes, saying. Yes. Oh, yeah, my and, gosh. And yeah, never, that does seem like it needs to be turned into a story because yeah, it seems yeah. unfreaking real. Right. And I had never forgot that. And then one day um, I woke up and I had a dream about the rest of the story, which I don't want to give away. Um, of course. And it just meshed together perfectly. And I, I wrote that in about three months. Wow. Oh, I love that. Because yeah, so two things, I guess. We talk about a story inspiration. You talk about getting it from dreams. Um, I do that too. I, I also, you know, maybe similar to you just driving down the road, I'll see something and I'll Mm -hmm. think there's more to that scene we just passed and it gets the gears going. Um, and then I have a cheat because Angie sometimes will come to me with, uh, an idea for a story or an idea for a plot point in a story I'm on. So I, I jokingly say she's my muse because (laughs) sometimes I'm like, that's really good. And I'll take a note and then I'll use that. So do you find that, you know, um, experiences with people because it's a it's i don't know if it's a common thing but some of my favorite authors like chuck palanook will talk about how throughout his life everyone he meets or people he observes he's taking notes for character traits for a character or an event it sounds very similar to what you're saying you do with your real life experiences um i i don't on a daily basis i don't write the notes down but i keep them up here yeah Yeah. and i do I, i don't know what it is about me, but I, I, it seems no matter where I go, 
I meet the most, I, I, I don't I, the smartest, stupidest, highly intelligent, lowly intelligent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every, every walk of life, no matter where I go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all so interesting. Life. We could say the most interesting people, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, it is. It's crazy. All walks of life. And yeah. I'm always making notes. I'm like, that's a good character. That's a good character. That's I cool. love that. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when so you, you have those like folders in your head. Yeah. A, yeah. a, a very eclectic folder, and, you know, yeah, system. If, <laughs> if, it's a, if it's a really good one, as soon as I get home, I write it down on my computer. Oh, that's great. So you don't forget those details, you know, or they don't get lost in everything else that's that right. you've kind of got stored for yeah. future I've stories. I've been a, a people watcher. And it, it's what I like to do is if you see two people having a conversation, but you can't really hear them, I like to make up my own conversation. And yeah. I like to, I'll get stories. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's the mind of an author, though. When you talk about mm -hmm. watching people going in and out of tents, it, that's the mind of an author to always observe society. Th yeah. Things I think a lot of people just overlook where you just watch the strange behaviors of people in general. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. So I was going to ask you also what your story building process is. You know, there's always, you're writing thrillers. So there's typically an ending that's unexpected or uh, a scenario in the book that's unexpected somewhere. Do you map all this out or do you just sort of have it in your brain and just go for it and then just keep refining it? Do you draw a chart? Do you do an Excel spreadsheet? I'm just always curious what the mm. actual story building process is for fellow writers. Mine is is different than most. And I think we've um, you and I have talked about this in some of the author um, author workshops. Done, yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what I do is I have the ending of the story. And then. I'm like, okay, that's a cool story. Now we got to put an actual story in front of it. So, hmm. so I'll come in the beginning, and usually that needs to be reworked, you know, three or four different times. Sure, I get it right, and then the, the the whole middle of the plot, though, I I really when I start, I really don't know how it's going to go. I know at first, I know the ending, then I come up with the beginning, but I have no idea how it's going to get there. And yeah, yeah. That actually, I think, is a benefit because as I'm writing, I, I, it's funny on my word documents. I, I never really sit down and outline an entire story. What I do is um, it, it plays out in my head, and as I'm typing it out, all of a sudden I'll unfold three, four, five scenes ahead, and so I'll go down to the bottom of my document and write it down, and so I'll, I'll outline probably four or five chapters at a time ahead. Wow. Nice. But never, never really any further than that because I, n I never know, you know, what, where the story's going to, there's a, a perfect example is, is in my latest thriller, Deadly Roses. There's a scene at, uh, inside the Lincoln tunnel or the Holland tunnel. I can't remember one of the tunnels mm -hmm. in New York city. And I didn't know that was coming as, as I was writing that chapter, it's just how the chase played out. And it, it, it's got a little bit of comedy in it as, as they enter the tunnel, but I had no idea they were going there. You know, wow. it kind of unfolded that way. And that's the way all of my books are. You know, I just, yeah, we have talked to a few authors that kind of roll like you do. Like yeah. that's their process where it the story, they don't even know where you're, you don't know where your own story is going to take you. Like um, I think we had one, uh, was it MJ who talked about, he didn't know that this character was going to do this. Yeah. And I just thought, 
That is pretty, that is just such great imagination when yeah. you can't eat, you don't even know what your own character is going to do, yeah. but you're so enthralled right at that moment with that writing process yeah. that it just comes to life. I can so relate. I so have the same cool. thing where I don't, I have, I have characters where you develop enough of their personality mm -hmm. and you know where the story is generally going, but the same as you, I'm a little more meticulous about mapping it out because yes. I'm OCD, but there are things that happen sometimes in the book that change the, some of the plans I had because I didn't know that was going to happen or I didn't know the character was going to do that. But I love the way that you, I'm just thinking as an author here, but I love the way that you are writing your chapter and you get ideas and you just kind of scroll down and plug that in below mm -hmm. so you can get to it. That's a really cool idea. I think for, for authors in general to kind of consider where instead of going and taking a separate note, just drop it at the bottom of your document because you know, maybe that's what's going to come up when you get down to that chapter or the next right. chapter. That's yeah, a, that's pretty that's cool. interesting. Yeah. And one of the things that I do is, is I do, um, I, I, a lot of people uh, compare my style of writing to James Patterson. And yes. I think, I think one of the reasons for that is, is he likes to work with the short chapters and I do as well. So yeah. when I'm doing that, I know uh, the chapter I'm working on is going to end soon. So this way by, putting jotting down those notes at the bottom of a document, I seamlessly can move right into the next chapter and then go there. Mm. And then it, it really, the way it works out, I never run out because I'm always, as one scene is unfolding, I'm thinking in my head of how that's going to lead. What are the repercussions down the road? You know, how's this person going to suffer? How are they going to benefit uh, this character? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I'm constantly writing that down. So I constantly have always three, four five chapters outlined ahead but like I said, I can't ever sit down yeah. and do it all ahead of time. It's it's kind of like a an unfolding movie. Yeah, I, lo I love hearing the processes of different authors. You yeah. have some that are similar, but everybody is di different. They might be similar generally, but there's always some differences. So yeah. that's really cool. That's a true artist, though. I agree. You have artists that their style might be similar, but there's always some kind of twist in their art that you know it's them. Yeah. So so I love that. And so this process has led you to having some experience with publishers and you've had to deal with some of the twists and turns of being an accomplished author. You know, any tips or advice that you could kind of offer to to new writers out there? Um be diligent if you're you're dealing with publishing companies, um I would say do your homework, do your homework twice. Yeah. Three Maybe three times. <laughs> um, yeah. Every, every single contract you get, I, I'll just say this. If you have a contract in writing and you discuss additional stuff in phone calls or emails, make sure that all those additional things are included in the contract. Yeah. Because mm, if it's not in advice. the contract, it did not happen. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and a I, verbal agreement on the phone, but if it's not in that contract, it doesn't have to be honored. Yeah, I guess to add to your point, you know, I, I have also heard of stories where, you know, there are indie authors and there are published authors. And I've heard stories where, you know, people really want to be a published author and they sign up with a publisher and then all the publisher does is put stuff on Amazon and put it on, you know, Barnes and Noble or Apple Books and help find out cover artists, all these things that you could really just do as your own yeah. self as an author with very little work, very little research. So yeah. Is this, is, did you start as an indie author? Yes. 
Yes. You did, and, Scott. And, okay. And, and I experienced exactly what, what Dan just said. Um, yeah. There was, there was nothing. Now, I had, the funny thing is, I had been, I've always been approached pretty quickly after I, I released On Ice. Um, a lot of in, independent, smaller um, level publishing companies started uh, to approach me. It was, it was kind of interesting, and I didn't know anything about it. Um, mm -hmm. But there was one thing I met somebody early on at an author event in Orlando. And they told me the, the one thing to remember above all else when dealing with publishing companies is if they want money from you, they're not legit. Yeah. Walk away. Yeah. Just stay away. And so I always remembered that. And always, That's a great tip. Yeah. And I always looked for that catch and it would always eventually come. You know, <laughs> they, they try yeah. as long as they can. And um, so you keep that in mind. And then um, I started talking to a lot of mid-level uh, places and stuff. But I, I started out indie and then... Um, this this one company came along and everything happened very very quickly they loved my stuff um uh, i was sent a contract probably 48 hours after initial contact with them it was crazy wow and wow this wasn't normal because i had talked to so many companies previously yeah um, and you know but what had happened was there was a lot of discussion on the phone and then there was a lot of stuff in the contract and the two didn't mesh and i, I yeah really, it, it was my own fault i can't blame anybody but myself you know, the, the things that were um, discussed on the side were not included in the contract. And, you know, mm. that was me and it was, um, I, I wasn't happy with it. But you, you, so yeah. if they want money, they're not real. Yeah. Make sure that everything is included in there. But like yeah. I said, they, they did exactly what I've done myself. Nothing, nothing in addition. You know. Yeah. Right. And the other thing is, I would think that as a new author, even an established author, if you've been an indie author, when a publisher comes to you that quickly and wants to sign you up, it's exciting. You're sure. like, this is my, this is it. This is my break. Yeah. And you're, you're might not be seeing as clearly as if you could take your time with it. So yeah. I don't know if you had a lawyer, like look over your contract, but I think that would be something that Good you advice. would need to invest sure. in. Yeah. I would always, yeah, I, I did not, um, I, I had a couple people very close to me who were very intelligent, um, you know, looking over things and it was kind of an exciting time for all of us. And of and course, so we all missed it, but yeah, I would, mm -hmm. I would definitely advise people to get, not only have an attorney look it over, but explain to them everything that you've been told, any promises made or, you know, what have you that are not in the writing and have them get it included. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Because if it's not in there, it doesn't have to be enforced. And that's the same. Yeah. And even somebody, if somebody is very, very well worded and educated, there's a different language when it comes to contracts, yeah. right? That, that people that have studied law know because yeah. there's certain ways that things can be worded. Sure. So I think that would be, I mean, even me not being an author or anything like that, I think that would be the advice I would give somebody. It's just, you know. Yeah. You know, pay some, a little bit of money. I mean, it's it's an investment in your yourself and in your company as yeah. an author. So, yeah. It's funny because there's um, so many people that I know, uh, you know, fellow authors, and they'll they come to me for advice because they know the things that I've dealt with and things that mm. I've done. They they come to me for advice. It's so much easier for me to tell them as an outsider what to look for and what to do. And then when it came my time for that, I failed. Yeah. Oh. Some of those. You know, like sure. I said, though, it was just the Let excitement. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Just it's like you somebody somebody you felt like that publishing company saw what you see in your story. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just 
I think it's like kids who sign contracts when they're musicians, when they're yeah. younger, and then they're pretty much owned yeah. for the majority of their career <laughs> because they didn't read. You know, they didn't think about that. I was, um, I was very lucky. Um, I, I got, well, I had to work very hard at it, but I, I was able to get out of my contract. Um, yeah. It, it was not easy and it didn't come without a battle, but I, I finally got all my rights back. Yeah, see, this, okay. these are good cautionary tales they for really would-be are. authors and even independent authors like myself because my goal is to find a publisher. I've been indie publishing my books up until now, but the books I'm writing now, I want to get a publisher. But stories like yours will make me very cautious about which one I select. And I love that. I, it probably seems so simple, but mm. if they want money, it's not a real publisher. It's uh, not yeah, the one you're after. That's a great one because, you know, we've known kids that have been reached out to by modeling agencies uh -huh. and they'd say, Oh, we saw your Instagram and we really want you to do our brand. And then they want money. It scams left and right. Yeah. You know, if a yeah, company yeah, really yeah. wants you, they're going to make money from you, not ask you for exactly. money. And, and, and it's, that's a perfect example. It doesn't apply just to books. Yeah, it, It's anything. If, if somebody comes, they want to represent you. They want to publish your stuff. They want to be your management, be your agent. Sure. It's, you shouldn't have to give them money up front. Yeah. If, yeah. If you do walk away right, right at that point. That's, Makes total sense. That's right. So Scott, you have quite a few celebrities that really love your books and some of them. So celebrities are in the wrestling community, I believe. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about this and um, you know, how, how did this, uh, what did, how did we meet up? Like, how did you, you meet these, um, wrestlers or were you involved somehow? Tell us a little bit that, of that story. You know, uh, I was researching something a while ago, a while back. I can't for the life of me remember what it was, but I, I, I came across Brian Blair's website online. B. Brian Blair, he's, um, in the uh, famous Killer Bees tag team back in the 80s and 90s. Mm, and yeah. I thought, okay, he, he probably knows the information that I'm looking for. So I sent an email to him through his website, and um, I fully didn't expect, you know, a response. I kept looking for whatever it was. Now, now do you remember if this was a story? Was this a plot point in a story, or do you remember? Uh, no, I think it was something personal I was looking for. Oh, okay. Um, All right. And it, it uh, I, I thought maybe he might know a path to send me down or, or for what I, mm. I don't even remember what it was. Um, right. But I didn't expect an answer, you know, cause I didn't know him. He didn't know me. Um, not only did he answer, but we talked on the phone a couple of days later and we just, we got along great and became like mm. instant friends. It, it was oh, cool. nice. Cool. Um, yeah. And then it turned out his, his wife was a fan of my books so that was cool. Oh, wow. Small I, world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, uh, uh, the wrestlers do a thing. It's called Legends Lunch that they do four times a year in Tampa. And it's mm. all the legends in the area. They get together. They, you know, catch up and share stories with it. It's really funny. And um, it's a fun time. Brian invited me uh, to one. And I got to meet so many people. And I through that, I made a lot of friends. And then through becoming friends on Facebook with those people I met in real life, then others I became friends with based on my friendship with them. And, and it just took off. It, it was really crazy. And, I mean, I know so many of the legends now and, and, and a lot of them like to read cause they still travel a lot, you know, do yeah. comic and conventions and stuff like that. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a lot. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know. Well, maybe a lot of people do know that about Florida, but Florida is a big state for, 
like the um training for for the um Wrestlers? WWE. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like um is WWE? Did I get it right? I, yeah. Scott could tell you Scott probably. Scott can tell you. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, so there's one in Orlando. Tampa is a big area, so they do a lot of their training down here. And, and Hulk Hogan lived in um, Tampa area, didn't he? Yeah, he uh, I don't know. He lived oh, he did. He lived in yeah. very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. Um, uh, a lot of the legends live in the Tampa area. There was back in the day, '60s, '70s, and '80s. The Tampa area was, um, like you said, a, a big training ground, um, and a lot of these guys got their start in. Uh, the Tampa area, and then moved up to the the bigger uh, organizations. Um, and uh, I mean, who who doesn't love Florida? So a lot of them just yeah, or, or came back when their career was finished. But yeah, there's a ton of people who live in the uh, Tampa area. You yep. know, it's funny. I don't know that much about wrestling. I think it's super cool that you have these celebrities now that are fans of your books, and I've seen some of them and uh, some of the video clips where they're holding and talking about your book or talking about which one they like the best. And you know, I think it's very cool. That's cool. Um, when I was younger, significantly younger, I had a stint where I was kind of into wrestling. I'm trying to remember some of the names, but I remember like some of the classics, like Dusty Rhodes or um, uh, Randy Savage or um, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Gordon, the guy who used to be the the uh, the the newscaster guy. Do you know which one I'm talking oh, about? Um, Gordon Soley. Gordon Soley. That's right. He was the one that did the. I think this was before wrestling had like a huge boom and took off but i remember yeah. some of those some of those classic wrestlers yeah. uh kevin sullivan was another one that comes to mind but i remember watching those guys every weekend that's how it is when i go to the the legends luncheon and, and i mean i've had so many interactions outside of that w- with them because i've become friends mm-hmm. with some of them now um, yeah it's still you know I, I i i go to lunch with brian or i went uh, you know to lunch several times with rocky johnson before he passed and yeah these these I'd sit there and I'd, I'd be talking to him and I watched him on TV when I was a kid. Yeah. And these things, you know, I, I walked one of um, a funny story that um, Ricky, the dragon steamboat. I don't know who, you know, he was, he was NWA champion and intercontinental champion. Wow. So I walked, he was being honored at one of the legends luncheons that they were. And I walked in, he was sitting at a table facing the entrance. I walked in, he looked at me, he pointed and waved. I had never met him before. So I, cool. I went over to the table and he says, I know who you are. And I said, well, I know who you are. And that was just so cool. <laughs> that you is know, cool. But, that he said it first is what's really yeah. cool. Right. Yeah, really <laughs> cool. And you know, we had a great conversation. He was, he was a really nice guy. And, and um, you know, I had never met him before. So it was that, yeah, that was, but I watched all his matches, you know, when, that is cool. A lot of the guys, you know, and, and I've been like, uh, there's a guy named Bob Root. He's a legend. He, he has a book coming out soon. Um, I, I got to be friends with him and he called me and I consulted him on getting his book ready to uh, prepare for release. And Oh, nice. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so cool, you know, to, I still have to pinch myself sometimes, you know, cause it's, I yeah. feel like I don't belong. Like childhood heroes or yeah, 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 I get it. Well, so that leads me into my next question. Your latest novel, uh, squared circle for full circle. I'm Joe cool. And you're not, that's a wrestling biography, right? Yes. Yes. So h- how did this one come to be? <laughs> that one, um, I do a, a lot of charity work. Um, oh, nice. With, with, uh, cancer, battered women, pets, 
you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for. And awesome. there is an event every year held. It's called fighting for a cure. And Joe Abel does uh, puts on that event and he donates 100% of the uh, proceeds to the American cancer society every year. Love it. And, Love uh, it. He was uh, a couple of friends of mine uh, in the wrestling world, Bob Cook and um, Darlene, his manager, they were going to the event. I saw them posting about it and I asked him if I could donate some books to, to be raffled off or, you know, what was the procedure that they do. And um, I think it was Darlene gave me Joe's information and I contacted him and he goes, oh yeah, I don't turn down anything that we can raffle off, you know, for the money. So mm-hmm. he said, why don't yeah. you bring the books down yourself instead of sending them? So I went to the match. That, that was so cool. Um, we sat right at ringside and we had a bunch of books. And um, af- after the event, I talked to Joe for quite a long time. And he was telling me that uh, many years ago he had started writing a book, but a computer crash led to him losing all the information. Oh, oh God. <laughs> what Would I be interested in, in? Was it possible, you know, to do something like that? And, you know, I, I do I do thrillers in fiction mm-hmm. so it was it was something really really different for me yeah. um, it was a challenge it was it was extremely it was very much a challenge because i had to when i do a fiction if i don't like it i can just scrap the whole thing and start over right yeah with with a true story you can't do that it is what it is yeah yeah and you have to you have to take the story and you have to write it in a way where i hope that it's entertaining and comes across as people won't be bored you know, yeah. doing it. And uh, I mean, the results have been fantastic for it. And, and oh, have they? That's great. Oh yeah. It was a number one, uh, Amazon number one bestseller. Oh, uh, wow. Twice. Yeah. And, um, it, it, uh, it reached number four in the United Kingdom. I have a, a big following in the, in the UK and, um, they, 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 yeah, it's been phenomenal. I mean, it was, it was really cool. And, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to do it. Cause you know, I got to sit down with Joe. Um, I think we got together three times um, and did, I don't know, I don't know how many hours of interviews and we just basically chronologically went through mm-hmm. his life and I just took his words after we finished all the interviews and just put them into thing. And then, you know, the back and forth with me and him where I write it and I'll send it and he's like, oh, well, now we got to change this. Or, you know, it's yeah. it's wow. very, very tedious process, even more so than, than doing a fiction because it's, it's true and you yeah. have to make sure that, that everything is accurate. So there's a lot of checking too. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, and also when you kind of co-author with somebody else, because he's kind of, you know, he's not writing it, but he's telling the story. So I do know that we've talked to um, uh, Clark Lewis, Clark. Oh God. One of the authors we talked to, he's going to kill me for not knowing. I don't know who you're speaking of. um, S Clark. Oh yes. Gosh, okay. Uh, yes. Um, okay. Anyway, so he had a story where he was doing like a co-authoring thing. So it can be challenging, yeah. definitely going the doing the back and forth. Sure, sure. That's that was an instance of ghostwriting, um, and so that's a that's very similar in that someone's writing a lot of the stuff that is your story. And yeah. I, to me, that's the same thing as a biography. Yeah, it and seems challenging. I definitely. could see that being a lot of work, but wow, how how fulfilling that must be to have such success with it. Yeah, it was uh, over a year it, it, the project took. And, um, of course, then COVID hit, and that made things harder. Sure. Uh, of course. You know, because uh, Joe lives in Sarasota. So yeah. uh, I live in Newport Ritchie. So he, he came up he came up to my house uh, three different times, I think. Um, but it was 
to have it uh, accepted the way it was and, and you know we did a lot of promoting ahead of time um, and that was right about the time that I, I split from my publishing company so there was so, a- so that was like really challenging like yes, yes. <laughs> wow yeah, I had that going on at the same time and, and I, I was not planning on publishing this myself and then suddenly it was all in my lap yeah so, you know, I had to do that and it was it was um, a, a very frustrating experience um, yeah. to, to have sudden, suddenly be thrown into the fire like that. But yeah. All, and, ha- you know, and needing to do it. all the research to make sure that you're doing it right. And uh, yeah, I basically I bet- had to do everything twice because oh, I, I God. put together like the marketing plan and all that stuff to submit to them. And uh-huh. then, you know, then that wasn't going to happen. So then I had to do another one. Oh gosh. That was going to be different because we were doing it on our own and there was things yeah. that, I wanted to do so it, yeah. it added a lot of work um so it was very nice when when it i think the night that it was released it hit number one i think at four o'clock in the afternoon and that's oh my amazing goodness. It, it, that is amazing it was so so awesome when you refresh that page and you see that number one it gets just climbing yeah oh no, that it's... is awesome now leading uh, so Tell me what kind of things you did, like leading up for like promoting and marketing it, like because you took all that on yourself. So was that a lot of traveling? Was it just um, social media marketing? Like how did you accomplish um, all that? It, it was it was all done from my desk. Um, I, I I did because uh, this was during COVID, so yeah, right, yeah. so you had to yeah. kind of turn to that. Yeah, uh, I think it came out. Um, I think September. I think okay. it was. Um, I, what I did was in this particular case, it was, it was wrestling. So what I did was I went and I found every single uh, wrestling website imaginable. And I contacted every single one of them uh, about, as a matter of fact, we just had a a great review one up, I think two days ago, on the slam wrestling website, which is one of the biggest um, news sites. They just put up a great review of the book. um, Oh, awesome. Friday, Friday, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so I contacted every single anything that had to do with wrestling that I could find online um, to find out if, if they were interested in doing a review or a feature or something. If nothing else, just getting the name of the book to them. And then, of course, you know, Facebook, TikTok, uh, Twitter, you know, every, every uh, those social medias, Instagram, um, just nonstop promoting. And, and um, I, Joe, being a promoter. Uh, during his wrestling days, he, he knew about promoting. So uh, we would get together and come up with uh, marketing plans for um, him to do on his own. Um, so it was, it, it was a lot of work and we, we worked really hard on it. So the results were, were very nice, but that's it was, awesome. The research, you know, though was, I mean, hours on end. Was, oh yeah. I bet. Yeah. But it, well, you sadly, sadly, 90% of who we contacted never responded yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, that so you sounds, were just kind of like it's a shotgun approach. You have yeah. to do that. But what I love about it is you knew exactly who your target audience was for this one and yeah. the channels to reach them because I think that's a challenge sometimes when you're doing like fiction. You you know, mm-hmm. your target audience can be everywhere. But when you're doing when you're writing a book about wrestling, you know, you at least know well, who your demographic is, right? Well, not only that, but see in Joe's case. Joe never made it to, to WWE or he never made it to the NWA or AWA or AWA. Yeah. He was always one step below that. So right. again, like you said, target, you know, you have to know your, your target audience. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, a lot of, a, a lot of wrestling fans know 
anybody who's a wrestling fan knows a, a lot of the people who are mentioned in the book because Joe yeah. across everybody. But mm-hmm. there was a lot of people on the independent level that someone in California may not know. You know, so gotcha. I had to target a lot of independent wrestler uh, wrestling organizations as well for promotion and, and uh, consideration for being featured on their website and stuff like that because those are the types of organizations that Joe dealt with for many, many years. And a lot of guys on their way up go through them and then mm-hmm. on their way down, they go through them. So the, the book yeah. is filled with a lot of superstars who you would know their names and then people on the independent level who you may not know, but that's right. why we targeted those, um, those people too in, in the marketing plan. That wow. was really smart. And you probably learned a lot of marketing skills from Joe as well, because he was in that world for so many years. So that was kind of a great yeah. asset for you to have. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun and talking to Joe when we were coming up with plans. And um, we always had animated conversations. Joe, Joe's a great guy. He's funny. Um, we, we always have a good time when we're together. And uh, we... Um, uh, he would have some ideas and I'd say, well, maybe we, we put a spin on it like this way. And he'd be like, well, maybe we do that. But then we add this kind of twist into it. So, but yeah, between the two of us, the, the collaboration was, it was a lot of fun, really. So a lot of twists and turns in the marketing, kind of like in your, your thrillers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will say, I, I will say that uh, on my thrillers, uh, all the marketing and everything, I, I pretty much do myself. And yeah. You, you, you know, Dan, it's, it's a lot of work. And yeah, so, that's that's why I want a publisher because yeah. that part to me is I mean, you're great at it, but that part is is the, to me that is the single most challenging thing about writing is having the time having the time to write when you have a day job is already tricky, mm-hmm. but then to promote you I mean, that's another full-time job. So, yeah, you know, it's writing the book is the easiest part. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. But so, that's hey, that's that's a good segue though because I do want to talk a little bit about your latest thriller Deadly Roses too. Um and, it, you know, I know that your latest novel is the or your latest book is the wrestling biography. But I did want to take a minute to talk a little bit about your latest thriller as well. And maybe you could tell our audience a little bit about what that story is about, what your inspiration for that story was. And, you know, maybe a little tidbit without ruining it. Um, Deadly Roses was, like I said, uh, when we started, it, it was yep. so much fun because it's it's um, set in New York City, right? So I, I have intimate knowledge uh, of the sure. City. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I made sure that um, I included a lot of things. Like when I was a kid, I used to climb up on on the roof of, of the building. You know, people in Florida they, they don't do that. They don't even know you know what you did. But in New York, that's a, that's a normal <laughs> thing. You it's a common the, thing. Uh, yeah, you go up on the roof, you, you barbecue, you hang out. You know, you do sure things. So I, I was able. I incorporated that and. Um, the alleyways. I did learn learn something when I was a kid. There was always a lot of alleyways between buildings that you see um, portrayed in movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. All the time. Yeah. Um, during my research uh, for uh, Deadly Roses on streets and stuff like that that I couldn't remember, I found out there's only one alleyway left in New York City that did away with them. Oh wow. really? Yeah, how did so, they do away with them? I don't understand I, how I, they could do that. I, they filled them in. They I don't I don't know. But I know that there was only one still labeled, um, and it actually had a name. So I incorporated it into the story. Interesting. I wonder if it just became too, uh, uh, you know, a hiding crime, place for crime, crime or yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Oh yeah, there was transients, or you know, they're probably trying to keep down. Easy to hide in there. Yeah, Um, they did a lot of small businesses that they could fit and they could build in between. I'm not really sure how they did it, but it's really cool. They probably did. You got to squeeze every piece of real estate out, out of, of it city, that you can. <laughs> for sure. But yeah. you, so you, I know you, your intimate knowledge, as you spoke in the beginning of the interview here of, of New York city, because you grew up there, as you mentioned now as well, did you kind of have an idea for the story and say, wow, this would be perfect in New York city, or was it always going to be in New York city? Hmm. Yeah, no, it was always going to be in New York city. Um, oh, it was the, the story. Yeah, it's it's about um, domestic violence, and it, it kind of brings attention um, to it. It's a it's a, a one of my reviewers uh, came up with the tagline. It's a um, a love triangle with the, a love triangle thriller with a twist, and mm-hmm. um, so it it, it brings um, uh, some attention to domestic violence, um, and it it's uh, there's a lot of gang. One of the main characters is the leader of a gang. So I had to do a lot of research um, to get the language and the slang uh, accurate yeah. with that. Um, and I'm trying not to give anything away. Yeah. Yeah. I, Dan, will er- Dan will magically erase it if you do. But <laughs> it's hard sometimes, too, to, you know, especially depending on how you write. It's hard sometimes to give a synopsis of your book to yes. make it exciting to right. sound exciting for somebody to read without giving something away. That's right. what we have found. It's and like, that's how the, that's do you tell a, people about it without giving that, something away? Yeah. You know, one paragraph or two paragraphs is, is very hard to come up with. And uh, yeah. same problem here. I think it said, um, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to guess. I know it ended with, um, there's the tagline on the covers. When two becomes three, someone's got to go. That's right. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm reading it right here. Yeah, that I now that be, that gives you enough with the name of its deadly roses. The cover kind of shows some of what the might dead, be going on. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that you kind of give an idea of, OK, this might be like yeah. a love triangle type thing. So that, I think that's perfect. That yeah. is, But you have a great point there, Angie. That to me is one of the biggest challenges because for every book that I have really loved or movie that has been one of my favorites, I kind of didn't really know anything about it going in. So, but how do you sell a book to someone with just, you know, you can't just say, read this. I can't tell you what it's about. So yeah. that is the challenge, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're, if you're a reader, which you probably are, if you're a writer, you have a tendency to kind of, project the way things are going to go based on the synopsis. If it's too detailed, it kind of ruins it. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I can appreciate that. My, my synopsis and I, I'm trying to remember what it says um, that I can't, but I know the ending says uh, something about um, there. There's a new, when a, when a, when an abusive boyfriend is replaced by something, something, uh, oh, I know. I remember now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it said, um, you've heard the saying, um, girl meets boy, girl falls in love with boy. Now you can add girls, gang leader, boyfriend doesn't appreciate the new addition. Oh, gosh. Yes. That's, yeah. <laughs> I would so, suppose yeah. he so would. That, <laughs> that gives it off where um, there's gangs involved. There's a relationship involved. There's obviously some kind of um, anger. My- or in there without giving it away. Yeah. yeah. A, a little bit of violence probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's got, uh, 
Well, you know, to to make it, I like I said before, when I watch a movie and I see something that's not realistic, it, I, I immediately get turned off. So I work really hard on that in, in mm. my stories to be authentic. Um, there's there's uh, uh, there's one pretty violent scene. I mean, a thriller has to have you know action. It does. Thrillers, people die. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Like yeah. That. Of course. On the run, my on the run. There's one scene. Uh, uh, one uh, fan of mine contacted me recently. Just finished on the run, and he was laughing. He goes, "Oh my God!" There's there's a scene in a hotel in Cabo San Lucas. He goes, "I cannot believe he did that. I did not see that coming. That was so awesome. It was. Oh, that that's what you love, though. Yeah. 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 It was. It, it wasn't that violent. I mean, she died. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there, there's a scene in, in Deadly Roses in order to get across um, the uh, abusiveness of the relationship. I had to do something to really get across to how bad this guy was. Of course, yeah. So, yeah. so there was a there was a violent scene kind of in the middle. Uh, we're doing the audio book right now. I just listened to it the other day. I think it's chapter ten or something like that. And, oh, cool. But it, it really gets across what a, what a bad guy editing. Yeah. Was. <laughs> yeah like is. what what level he'll go to for yeah. whatever yeah yeah that's great yeah that's great character that. development yep right. but the danger that the new guy coming in faces from him because of his anger issues yeah yeah, yeah so definitely so you mentioned on the run and i'm not sure if you can talk about this but it's is that currently being shopped around to be made into a movie or yeah, we have um, uh, a script. We, we had a plan in place um, about a year ago, and it, it kind of all fell apart. Um, we had a script done by actually a friend of, of uh, mine and Dan's, uh, Jamie Engel, and her mm-hmm. writing partner, Osmond Brown. Um, they took the on-the-run story and adapted it to a, a fantastic screenplay. Um, it, it, oh, cool. They even added a character uh, that just made the story even better. It was really oh, cool. cool. And um, so, yeah, right now um, it, it's in the hands right now of two um, production companies uh, who are looking at it. And hopefully we're still waiting. Um, final word. Actually, I need to call one of them today. Um, awesome. And if nothing comes out of those, we have uh, four more companies ready to, to pitch. To, so oh that is the coolest that, yeah, that that's exciting. the dream right there right like yeah. to have your book into a movie yeah it's like it's that is great, pretty awesome and, and it's such a great story i mean it's perfect for me all my books are perfect for movies because they unfold in my head as a movie yeah so yeah the adaption to to it uh to on screen should be fairly simple but uh on the run it's it's just it starts in miami it ends in cabo san lucas that the chase goes all across the country um, so it's literally a book about being on the run. Yeah, yeah. And, All right. And it's it's um the the um it's very vibrant with the colors, the, the, the tropical locations, um, mm. and you know of course money's involved, drugs are involved, and, and uh, Cuban drug cartel is involved. So it, it has everything that you would want or that I would want as a movie movie buff. And yeah. So guys, if you're looking at purchasing any of Scott's books, older readers probably. Yeah, sure. older readers. Yeah, yeah, not, not kids' books, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. young adult. We, to we all like the way to up. mention that sometimes because I think we've had where if somebody ordered a book and you're like, uh, there's a scene in there that a 13 year old should not be well, reading. I, I would <laughs> say they're they're R rated. They're not X rated, but they're R rated. Yeah, R rated. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which to me means young adult, depending yeah. on your parenting or whatever. But young yeah. adult on up. Yeah. You know, I don't dismiss the young adults because sometimes I will say this book is not for young adults, but then you remember that. 
you know, like my books, yeah. they kind of are actually. I mean, they're reading stuff like that. A, a lot of young adults. Yeah, so, I guess they are. Yeah. Um, you know, depending well, on the, the age. Language. I, I have the language in all of them because for <laughs> sure. You know, Twister Town is the only book I have. I've written. There's not a swear in that book in that story. I don't know how it happened, but <laughs> I, I really don't. I mean, that's how it was meant to be, though. That's how it was playing yeah. out. In your, this must yeah. have been a wholesome town you were in. See, like a wholesome town where people thought they are special and twisters do not come and get them. I'll tell you what, if I saw the tornado that they saw coming at them, I'd be swearing. Oh, yeah. my gosh. You know what is? I don't know how I, I did the whole story. I think the worst word is one time. Oh, my gosh. You know, what's so funny about that book. I'm going to I want to read that book. It's so funny because my mom for years until she was an adult believed that tornadoes did not come out at night because her mother taught her that to make her she feel did safe. not think they came out at night. Wow. And then I will never forget. We lived, I grew up in Michigan and we lived in a trailer park and a tornado wiped out the trailer park next to us. I'm oh talking, my gosh. it was the scariest thing because the i did not know this story yeah there was a retention pond next to us that we were going to go get down in and it was filled up with water so my dad had to punch the window out of the clubhouse that was made of brick because they weren't letting people they didn't come to let anybody in there yeah and we crawled into the clubhouse so wow. there's a good story for your books there's any a good of you. scene for sure <laughs> the thing that i'm i'm proud of about twister town is is that number one it was an international bestseller which was shocking as my second wow. book, I totally didn't expect that. It, it's it's an award winner, which again, Great. didn't expect. But the reviews from people who have actually lived in Tornado Alley and been through tornadoes and been in these towns, um, the reviews have been fantastic of of them you know, confirming what I wrote and saying that nails nails small midwestern town. Uh, yeah. atmosphere nails the mindset nails what it's like to go through a tornado i did I, I had to do a lot of research to make sure that i got you know all the facts right in, in that one yeah so so to have people who've actually been through tornadoes and lived in those towns say that you know the, the book is is dead on that that's that's a good feeling that's a great compliment too oh, shows no that you you know you really did your research like you said so that's awesome so scott what's next what's coming up next uh, I, I have a, a new thriller uh, that I've been talking about for quite a while. It's called 30 minutes. It's a political mm. thriller. Um, it, it should be out next year, probably mid to late next year. Um, right now I've kind of, it's three quarters of the way done. I've kind of put it on the back burner because we're, uh, doing the audiobooks for Twister Town on the run and Deadly Roses right now. Um, on the Run and Twister Town are actually finished. They're they're complete. They're awesome. We're just waiting on Audible to release them, and um, uh, Deadly Roses is probably about halfway through the production. Um, so I've been focused cool. on that for the last several months. All right. Very well, you cool. are a busy man. I yeah, mean, you, you are, are just generating the stories and working on all the different versions of them. That's very you know, impressive. You know, so what I didn't ask is, which we usually ask all of our authors, because almost all of the authors we've interviewed have, have a day job. Do you do this full time or do you have a day job as well? Yeah, pretty much full time. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So your focus gets to be on what your true passion is. And it's yeah. And, and it's because, you know, <laughs> it, one of my favorite sayings is if I don't, nobody will. 
Yeah. I like it. You know, yeah, that's true. That, yeah, people like in Goodreads, I get yelled at all the time because I put a, um, I'll put a post in the wrong thread by accident because I get so confused on there all the time, and they're like, "Why do you?" It's like Reddit. <laughs> it's like Reddit. The rules are so crazy. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know. I'm like, I'm like, I'm sorry, and they're like, "Well, why would you do that?" And I said, "Because if I don't post it, no one else is going to." Yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> well. Um, so I'm going to actually put a link to your Goodreads as well. Taking a quick note here, Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us. This has been very interesting and entertaining and we wish you much success in the future. I'm sure it sounds like, you know, you've got it lined up for sure. Uh, I, I thank you guys for having me and, and, uh, it's been fun. And I know we've been talking about doing it for a while and, and, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I so much like doing the things like the workshops that we were doing with Jamie. Mm-hmm. Oh, so do I. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And those things actually give me more to do because I get ideas from doing them. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to um, try and keep it all together. Uh, sometimes I, I have a list on my desk of, you know, things I want to do and things that are coming up and it's, it's uh, and, and interviews I want to do. I want to start doing more interviews. Um, that's one of the oh, yeah. things I wanted to do, especially, you know, again, no one's going to talk about me unless I'm talking about myself. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Well, anybody listening, Scott is available for interviews. So if you have interviews, a podcast, podcast or that's right. Yeah, virtuals. Now that yep. virtual is a big thing in the world now. Yep. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that is well that's a great goal and you know there's not enough time in the day neither so i'm sure you're yeah. you're like dan your list goes over to the next day and then you got to check uh, those things i'm off so the bad next about day. that and then the, the day of the list like yeah, i just took a week off of my day job and i had a list that i kept <laughs> chipping away at of stuff i wanted to do throughout the week and then add more stuff in and i think i got a list of maybe 15 down to eight because it's got so much other stuff added <laughs> so i can relate oh and i know i know how much work goes into a podcast just from the the live show that i did i've done a few a few live appearances and and i know what it takes you know for preparation of that so sure. doing a podcast like that and the post editing that goes along with it i mean i, I feel for you guys because i know how much work yeah. it goes in you know I well i just too. i just show up I yeah, just you're, show you're up. the talent. You're the talent. I just show up and smile and laugh a lot. And then he He's has to do all the real, <laughs> he, he has to do all the hard work. Uh, I mean, I do help on the website and stuff. Yeah, you do. So. I'm totally kidding. So, but no, he really does do all the technical stuff. I mean, I asked him to show me how to do it. But when you live with somebody that's very OCD about things. All right, whatever. Just say it. Just <laughs> say it. You can't. I wouldn't be able to do it as good. I'll, I'll That's all. This, and, and if you don't want this in, Dan, you can take it out in post-production. But I, I want to tell everybody out there, if you are friends with Dan, which I am, at any time that I have a question about new technology or something going on, I, I Dan is one of the first I turn to. He never lets me down. He gives me all the options available. Uh, thank and, you. And I very much appreciate that. And, and you know, if you're friends with him, now, if you don't know him, you know. <laughs> yeah, don't be. No, yeah. Come on, people. If I'm going to put a limit on this. I'm telling you. <laughs> if you don't know him, there's a fee for that. There's no, I'm just kidding. There, there is a fee. <laughs> yeah, but but okay. you know what, though? He he does get, you know, it's kind of like if you uh, fix cars for a living and then your family member goes to, you know, um, I don't know, pet boys to get their car fixed. So they do something wrong, right? Come to the person that you know, so that you get the the right advice. 
before yeah. going to purchase a piece of technology or something like that. Like perfect example. A yeah. few weeks ago, Mick Foley, the, the hall of fame wrestler has a project that he's debating on doing. And he called me up to ask me about my experience with a certain company and, and you know, what to look for and what not to look for and stuff. Like right. That. that was, that was awesome. You know what I mean? Wow. Just getting the call. Yeah. That, that was cool. And, and yeah, so you, you go, you go to the people who, you know, mm-hmm. have the experience and because, yeah, if, if you want your car fixed or you want advice in your car, you're not going to ask your plumber. That's sure. right. That's I mean, right. some people will. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they might not get the greatest <laughs> advice, though. Well, yes. thank you guys for the kind words. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, so as we're wrapping up, Scott, we will definitely stay in touch with you. I hope we get back to doing those author workshops sooner or later. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, too. Um, we will be promoting you throughout our show. And like I said, we wish you continued success. Uh, we'll put all the link in the show notes to everything you discussed. And I'm excited to kind of keep in touch on what's going on with that movie thing, too, because that is incredibly exciting to that me. Very happy great. for you. I, I, I do, too. And I, I wish you guys success with, with the show, too. And, and uh, Thank you. I, Thank you. I, I would say about the movies, don't hold your breath, because in that business, I'm learning quickly. that Oh, of course. Nothing happens quickly. You know what, though? It doesn't matter. It's exciting. as it can, yeah. No matter what happens, no matter how long it takes, yeah. it's just an exciting thing, right. a position to be in in general. And you know, you know how. Oh, I'm sorry. You know how. Say that a production company has it in their possession. You know, that's right. Yeah. That just that somebody else has read your work. That's what I was thinking. Like yeah. they took the time to sit down and read it. Yeah. Yeah. And you never know in five years, in 10 years, who knows? Yeah. Even if it don't happen now, they might say, hey, there was this story and it might happen. So yeah. you know yeah, what I mean? True. You got wish, you know, not wishful thinking, but there's thinking, po- keeping that positive yeah. thought out there. Yeah. People who, have, who have had their books adapted into movies and, and television shows. And normally it, it's seven to 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm for on the run. I'm looking at, at two years, going on three years right now. So uh, that's yeah. still a little bit early in the process, but you know, hope fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, yeah that's no right. Kidding. Well, well, we send our uh, positive thoughts your way, man. For sure. Hey guys, I hate to interrupt the show here, but we just got some breaking news. Maybe within a couple of hours of doing the podcast, as it relates to Scott and the on the run book we talked about that he had in discussions with a production company. Um, Iron Castle Films has reached out to Scott and they've read the script for On the Run and they love it and they want to proceed with creating this, you know, this uh, book into a movie. So Scott can't say anything else at this point. We don't know anything else at this point, but very exciting. Uh, looks like, you know, they are well on their way to making this into a movie. And I uh, just wanted to say big congratulations to Scott. Congratulations to Jamie Engel, to Austin Brown and uh, everyone else involved in the project. So we will let you guys know as we hear more, but it's very exciting that, uh, you know, uh, just as we spoke about the possibility of something like that, boom, it happened. Uh, at least the the first hurdle, I guess, to get over in, uh, you know, in a path to get this book made into a movie. So very exciting. All right, back to the show. All right, Scott. Well, thanks again. We're going to take a quick break on the show and then we'll, Angie and I'll be right back after a quick break. Thank you again, Scott. And we'll be in touch. Take care. Thank you.
everybody. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed that interview with local author, Scott Stevens. We wish him much success. Seems like he's had quite a bit of that already. Oh, he's doing so well. I love it. I'm so happy for him. Seems like yeah. he's put a lot of work in and still does and yeah. got a lot of irons in the fire. And I just love how he's kind of reached out to people in his community. And now he has, you know, a certain group that really support his work and some great contacts. And I think it's, you know, going to go very well for him in the future. We'll look out for that movie. Oh, indeed. Yes. Yeah. So guys, it is almost Thanksgiving. And you know what the day after Thanksgiving is? Black Friday when everybody starts thinking about shopping. Oh, yes. And then Saturday is Shop Small Saturday where you're supposed to support your local small businesses and do some Christmas shopping there. Especially now, now more than ever. It is now more than ever. It's so important. So you know that we are doing the Shop Small this holiday season event. And I don't know if a lot of people will be doing Christmas parties and stuff, but we still want to dress up for like Christmas or even, you know, like get something nice. So we have a local boutique 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 <laughs> local boutique tie it up with a bow um we have a lo- local boutique did i say it right that you time? did say it right okay here in apopka called wind styles boutique and they offer some great ladies apparel so if you're looking for the perfect little christmas or dress up outfit I suggest heading on over to Win Styles and they are offering 20% off your purchase if you use the code or discount code DANGI, all capitals. It. Love it. So check it out. I already have my eye on an outfit. I actually have it pulled up right here in front of me for my Christmas party for work or my Christmas dinner that they're having. Very so. nice. I'll pull that up on screen here when uh, for the YouTube oh, video. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. And um, somebody else that we we love to support. They are having all sorts of sales. There's not a discount code involved. But if you're looking for your perfect, ugly Christmas sweater or Christmas apparel, like those cool suits or just accessories, then head to Embellish FX in Orlando. Yes. So when we think of Embellish FX, we think of them for Halloween stuff. Yep. But guys, they're open all year round and they have costume stuff for every holiday that they you really can do. think of. Really do. Local yeah. business, uh the the owners are amazing, the staff are amazing mm-hmm. and uh that's the only place we shop for anything like that anymore. The quality of the stuff too. You know, we're it's used different. to going to yeah. like Spirit for Halloween. Their quality stuff is so much better. The fact that they have the Christmas stuff they do. Is so great. Yeah, they have like Santa suits and, oh, yes. and everything that you can think of. I mean, even for like Valentine's Day coming up and St. Patty's Day coming up. So they are an all year shop. And um, especially if you do like any theater or anything, they have top of the line quality um, theater makeup and prosthetics and all sorts of stuff like that. So we love the the owners, um, Ben and Tim, and just the whole staff there is amazing, super helpful, friendly, like they go over the top with customer service. So you don't get that in any other location. Yeah, you know I what agree. I mean? But yeah, they have some fabulous ugly sweaters and just all sorts of fun you stuff. You can even dress Christmas. up as a Christmas tree. You can. Or Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, with the big tall hat. I mean, uh, it's amazing. Kind of. It's a fun little shop. Yeah, so I agree. Definitely. You can, um, the shop is open, but you can also check them out at embellishfx.com. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. 
Well, that's what? it. So that's it. So, short and sweet today, baby. Yeah, short and sweet. We ran a bit long uh, in the interview with Scott, but it was so interesting. You know, we kind of had to keep talking. We want to thank you guys, as always, for joining. We're very excited for a local charity that we will be meeting mm-hmm. with next week. Um, but, you know, I'll leave that a little more vague so you guys will tune in and see it. Uh, we also want to ask you that if you enjoy the show to please give us a rating and a review. And if you really enjoy the show, consider subscribing on your favorite podcast app. That's right, guys. And if you want to give us a ring or say anything to us, you can actually email us at feedback at fineanddangy.com or give us a call at 407 407- Four nine zero three eight nine nine. Leave us a voicemail. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. And guys, you can always check us out on any of our social media, Fine and Danji. That's right. You can also email us at feedback and fineanddanji.com. Mm-hmm. And everybody, we hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving this week. Take yes. a moment and reflect on what you're thankful for in this world and enjoy your time with family and friends or whatever it is you may be doing. Yes. And remember, at the end of each and every day, It's all fine and dandy. And guys, we hope you have a wonderful time. I'm still doing this. (laughs) Okay, go ahead, sorry. Don't start with me.